Hi everyone, it's Jamie. I just want to share with you that my new book, Toxic Relationship Recovery, is available now. This book is for anyone who is healing after a harmful relationship, but it's also for people that are looking to identify toxic traits, toxic behaviors, and toxic strategies that get used upon people every single day. The second half of the book teaches you strategies to heal your inner voice and find your authentic self after experiencing this type of harm. I'm looking forward to you all reading it and hearing your feedback from it. It's available today. Find Toxic Relationship Recovery wherever you buy books. Hey guys, uh, we just wanted to put a quick little trigger warning before the beginning of this episode to let you know that we do discuss some sensitive topics in this episode like depression and suicidality. So if you are not currently in a safe headspace to be able to listen to those topics, go ahead and skip this episode. Otherwise, for those of you who are ready to listen, also do know that we are including some resources in our show notes and we hope you enjoy the episode. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Oh, is it recording? It is. (laughs) Hi, what's up? I was like looking away when the countdown happened for some reason. So what's up? So we are back. It's kind of interesting now that we've like moved into the kind of like every other week recording dynamic. It feels like so much more happens in the in-between time that it's like, I haven't seen you in five. It's been 84 years. Do you know that (laughs) scene from Titanic? But so, yeah, I guess like in this interim time, I know, Jamie, you've been like openly sharing some of what you've been going through on your Instagram. And so a lot of our listeners who probably follow both of us on Instagram have probably been seeing that you're kind of going through it right now. You're you're in the thick of it. And um I think sometimes that can be like jarring for people to see because they think, whoa, here's this therapist and here's this like professional trauma skills teacher. And like, why is she struggling? Like, what's up with that? Right. And so I guess part of what I want to talk about today is maybe getting into a little bit of a the reality of like what it is to like live with trauma and teach people about trauma skills, but also like how that intersects with this like social media lens that we're all put through. And so I guess I I, I feel like people would probably want to hear some updates. I know you've given a couple on your um, social media, but like, that's what I want to start with is like, from your perspective, like why are you sharing openly? about this on your social media instead of just kind of like quietly dealing with it? I mean, I think that's the the hardest part about being in the places that we are, CA, is like knowing that there's these perceptions that people have of us. <laughs> and I 
I would love to consistently clarify people's perceptions of me or whatever takeaways they're having of me. But I've shared with you, I've been the toxic person. I've hurt my partner. I've hurt my friends. I've made bad choices. I've been that person that people would be like, hey, red flag, right? So I, first of all, I try really hard to actively explain to people that, you know, it's not pretty all the time. And yes, some of our takeaways and some of our lessons that we teach on the podcast are, I mean, really, I, I would say, you know, I don't, I don't have, you know, I'm not prideful, but I do think many of them are very good takes and they weren't born from ease. Those takes were formed from like visceral wounds most of the time, you know, and, you know, yes, I went through an education sequence. CA is, I hope people realize this. Yes, she's not the same, you know, she's not a licensed therapist like I am, but like the woman inspires me every day with how she committed probably 10 solid years of her life to personal development. And I'm not joking. Like we're not saying, you know, oh, just here and there, I'd think about how to become a better person. Like if you guys knew CA at her hearts of hearts, like she committed herself to self-development, discovery, and evolution. And so, you know, yes, are we two people that sit here and I think to some can inspire them? I, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. And I think when your question comes up of like, what, what brings you to be this vulnerable and real online I I think it's demystifying, untangling, creating a very real dialogue about what we do to each other, honestly, in the facade of life. Remember, if social media didn't exist, think about, you know, us millennials and the people that listen to this podcast that are in the generations above that. Like, we all many of us weren't raised with the internet. So if you can think back, what happened when we were younger is we would pedestal celebrities. We would pedestal people that were like our professors. We would pedestal our parents. We would do that to our grandparents or like our whatever, any model that we had that wasn't, you know, think think about without social media, we would say, they are perfect. They are never struggling like I am. We might even do that to our best friends when we were growing up, right? I never see them cry. I never see them get upset. I never see, right? And I think that's the power that I'm trying to share with, you know, the people that are witnessing this, which is, first of all, it's not to break their bubble or burst their bubble or whatever. It's genuinely to say, I don't want to be part of social media that's perfect. I don't want to enter into an app, regardless of what app that is, and see some manufactured existence that I know at the heart of my heart is not real. And I don't want to be part of that con. 
what I'm seeing is kind of like this literal like manifestation and representation of what we talk about literally nonstop here, this like both and existence. Because I think what the trap is, is when you pedestal people, when you know, you do that to gurus or celebrities or anybody, when you pedestal that person, you almost like subconsciously tell yourself this story that they're only worth listening to to the degree that they remain on that pedestal, that they, you know, they, they remain presenting themselves as put together and smart and wealthy and whatever the things are that you're pedestaling them about. And then if you took any of that, those qualities away, all of a sudden, what they have to offer is no longer as valuable. And, you know, that's something that I think is like a real trap for people is like, if somebody's struggling, all of a sudden that means, well, psh, some use all those trauma skills are obviously they don't work because if they worked, you didn't then this them. person, yeah. yeah, then this person wouldn't be falling apart, right? And I think that's something that's really worth like offering people like through what you're doing by like being vulnerable and transparent. It literally offers people the opportunity to like sit with that false idea that somebody's teaching or value or whatever it is, is only worth listening to if they're perfect. And as soon as they fall apart, now all of a sudden, now I can dismiss everything having to do with what's ever come out of that person's mouth because clearly none of it works. And that's, I think that's what's interesting about all this is I actually think our podcast listeners get it probably more than any (laughs) exposure to my audience. No, seriously, because I think when they've been on this journey, especially our over 50 episode listeners, right? The people that have like, been on this journey with us it's it's it seems that they're the ones that I'm hearing from that are messaging that are like I I see you I'm witnessing you this is so important for you to be vulnerable like I you know I'm here I'm supporting like all that stuff but what's interesting is when you think about people who don't have that both and lens and they they have to put you in a box right what makes me sad is that they're looking for a reason for it to fail, right? And if anything, I'm not posting to give people more despair. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be posting and being like, hey, none of this works and everything sucks and you don't need to work on anything because if you do, you'll just end up like me and everything sucks right now, right? So the, the concept of when you can take a step back and understand what real trauma work looks like is you already know this. If you've been a listener, we talk about real trauma recovery is immense skill development and self introspection, reflection, and self-understanding, right? Really taking yourself seriously, taking your pain seriously, taking your inner dialogue seriously, all of those things. And so what I don't think sometimes people grasp that don't open the door to this work is they think it's a like constant evolution up, right? Like up and up Mm, and up, ever upwards, ever onwards, like ever escalating. And I go Mm, like, linear, right? Like it just moves right. in and one they say, exactly. forward, upward direction. Yeah. 
Sure. And I think what's sad is when your perception of healing is that you're going to fail. And I don't want to say that lightly, but you will be failing if you are telling yourself the way I know I'm better is that I'm never struggling and I'm never hitting a barrier and I'm never emotionally dysregulated. And I go, wait, hold on, hold on. That takeaway is, I mean, (laughs) it's not only dangerous and inaccurate, but it can create such a, it can even probably manifest more depression in your processing. If you're telling yourself, I was supposed to be perfect. These skills were supposed to be perfectly executed and I can't even do that right. And so, you know, why even try? And I go, believe me, I've been there. Like, I just need to tell you guys that. Like, I've been in that place. I know that narrative. I've sat with that narrative recently. And the only thing I can say is like, stop taking yourself out of context. Stop taking this one moment or episode or dysregulation and take everything away from you. Do not take away the things that you've built for yourself, the the life that you built, the skills that you built, the, the dynamics that you've allowed to dissolve, the dynamics that you've allowed to deepen. Do not take those away. And I can't sit here and say you're not going to have setbacks. You're not going to have relationships that fall apart. Because if I am honest with you, healing is morphing your current reality into something that resonates to a deeper level within yourself, which means your current environment sometimes doesn't match that. Your current friendships, your current partnerships, your current family dynamics, your current job, whatever it is, I can't sit here and be like, yup, those are all going to stay the same and you're going to go ever upwards. Because the reality of healing is most likely there will be shifts in those major, major categories of your life and your perception around that, your perception of I can't be honest with my friends. I can't be real. I can't tell them I'm going through something. I said I was going to therapy. I can't be real and tell them I'm struggling. I can't be doing this and doing that. Like you, the impediment of like, I can't be real. I can't be honest with the people that I love. Well, first of all, let me take a step back. Sometimes like the only reason CA can know me to the depths of how she knows me is because I actually have a relationship with her that is safe to be fully known, even in the darkest parts of who I am. She is able to witness to that self, right? And so when some people come to me and they go, you're so brave, you're so vulnerable, like I'm really inspired. And I'm like, you know, it does, it means a lot to me, but it makes me, it, I don't want to say it makes me sad. It wakes me up, I guess, to the reality that like what I hear behind some of those sentiments is I have zero safe people to be vulnerable to. I have no one in my life 
that can bear witness to this pain without thinking I'm ungrateful, without thinking that I'm not resilient enough or that I'm broken or that I'm worthless. I want to talk about that, like witnessing to the darkness experience, because I think that is really, really important here. And for the people who who are what Jamie was just describing, like sitting there going, like, I don't have anybody that could witness my darkness without weaponizing it against me or dismissing it or just like in some way receiving it in a negative way that like wouldn't increase my safety in any way. How do we approach that like darkness witnessing even if you do have that one safe person, it can still feel really like super scary to like go to that place. And um, I want to talk about why maybe it's important to like let that darkness out. And so in the times where I have felt unwilling to let my darkness be witnessed by another person, there were many times where I at the very least still allowed myself to witness it. And I think that that can still be a skill to lean on. And when we talk about that witnessing, what we mean is like in a way that is non-judgmentally observing of what needs to come out. Because when the darkness stays trapped inside, that is the like toxin that can spread inside of us and drown us even faster. And so it's like, we always talk about like the way to like eradicate shame is to shine light on it. And a lot of times like the darkness inside of us is from a place of shame or from a place of fear um, or from a place of grief. And all of these things, like regardless of what the like source of it is, it's important to let it out, to be unjudgmentally witnessed because then it can start to actually be processed for what it is. When we repress it and shame it and dismiss it and pathologize it and whatever else, it doesn't actually get processed. And then it just stays in there for another day. And it can either compound into something even worse and darker and deeper, or it can just, you know, resurface another day in the same way and just manifest again. And there it is all over again for you to either witness or dismiss. And yeah, so I guess I would like to hear what yeah. your thoughts are about that topic of like what it means to witness the darkness, why that's important. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the alternative where you were just speaking, like bringing it in and keeping it in and staying within, right? I I mean, I guess I just immediately think of like the isolation part of that experience, right? And that's what I keep hearing, you know, when I hear these, these messages coming in, it's like, you, it's gonna <laughs> probably bring some emotion. It's like, some of the messages are like, I don't see people be honest about how deep this can go for people and how dark it can become. And like, 
as much as I don't wish you any, you know, more darkness, like some of their messages were basically just today I felt less alone, you know, like, and it, and it breaks my heart, like, you know, because there are so many people that are like, I live embedded in so many people's lives. Like, right. They have so many coworkers, they have kids, they have a partner, they have maybe even like a small community and they feel alone in a crowded room and they feel unseen and they feel isolated and they feel unknown and they feel unseen. And then that's where this weird, like, I know something's getting unearthed through this episode. Like that's where I am this firm believer, call me woo woo, but like there is something inside of me that is starting to realize that when we go through these like huge, like when we get really raw and really deep into a really hard place, there's this part of me and maybe this is what's keeping me here is like, there's something on the other side of this that's getting unearthed that's getting activated. It's almost like I picture the forest burning down, right? It's like, you cry, but like, yes, like the forest must burn down and you're watching all of this like transition and all these animals, some of them die, some of them re, re like evolve, some of them, you know, change their habitat. But then you hear about why wildfires naturally happen in nature. And when you think about they exist. Yes, some of this is problematic because of climate, but like even in a natural course of nature, when wildfires occur, typically what scientists, if this is new information to you, let me share it. What scientists have realized is it's to help the forest experience a rebirth. It's to help activate seedlings and like clear some of the dead and like unearth new energy. And like, I get chills saying that, but like when my brain actually sits with that information, I'm like, I have to have hope that there's something getting unearthed from this burning down and burning out. Like there's something getting unearthed here. And when I hear people saying, I feel seen today, it's hard to see you suffer, but I also know that I'm not alone. There's this call that's like deep, deep inside of me that says we are starving, starving for community. I'm starving for community. I want my village. And people are like, you have one. You have thousands of millions of people that like witness. And I go, you have to understand, like, this is why social media is such a facade, even for the creators, folks, is that CA has thousands of more than that. She has a lot of followers like on different platforms. And I have a lot of followers and I sit there and I go, the end of the day, we're both human. We both can feel incredibly isolated and alone. And yes, we can feel supported through comments, but like there is something to be said about real community. And that's one of the things where like there's these ideas that have been like being unearthed. And like when you were asking about witnessing, right? Like what does it mean to be witness? What does it mean to be 
walking a journey alongside someone, right? My brain goes, me and you, CA, have a unique opportunity to destigmatize certain things, to create new conversations. And there is this deep longing to like, build that community and not, you know, in a fake way, but in a real way. Like I would love to meet some of you who are like listening. And I know some of you are like, I'm an international listener. I'm like, okay, well maybe (laughs) that, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that ever, but like, there is this like yearning to want to be like building something where people aren't just like doing this work alone. Right. And I don't know where that is going to come from. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm willing to like open the door and open the conversation because like, like you just asked the question of what does it mean to be witness, right? Like there's layers of witnessing, right? It's like, I see you. And then there's that other layer where it's like, I'm literally present to you, right? I'm literally here with you. And that's that feeling of like, I can't do that for everyone. I can't fix the world, right? But my brain goes, we have this unique experience of like possibly being a conduit or a liaison to opening some of these doors of communities where people are like, hey, what city do you listen to the podcast in? Hey, do you want to meet another? I don't know. Maybe, maybe some one of our listeners is able to like reach out to us and be like, "Hey, I can figure that out." Like, if you want to, yeah, who's good at that stuff? <laughs> yeah, like I'll put it out there. If anyone's like into web development or coding and knows how to make that connection happen and can write a code into our website and our listeners can find each other, amazing. I don't, I don't have that skill set. But what I'm saying with this is whether or not that ever manifests, my brain goes. I know at the heart of my hearts, there is something to be said about the healing process that involves community. Like it really does involve community and collaboration. Yeah. It really does. I mean, I think about like some of the times when I've been in a really dark place and, you know, we're currently, you know, walking with you through this one. It's like, it's not even about sometimes it's not about having the right perfect thing to say or anything like that. It's literally just that feeling of not aloneness and that feeling of being accepted even when you're in that dark place. I think that can be another issue that happens a lot of the times, especially with like pedestal type people. And we might even accidentally pedestal our own partners and our friends and people in our lives because it's if if you've <laughs> never allowed yourself the ability or the space to let any of your darkness out and you've just repressed 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 when you start seeing somebody else doing just that it can feel incredibly uncomfortable to the point of like triggering almost when you watch somebody else like in that authentic place as dark and scary as it looks. And so you might subconsciously or consciously like distance yourself from that person and 
be like, I wish you well, like, oh, like, and you might say platitudes like, oh, okay, well, like, here for you, like it's our last episode, right? Like here for you if you need anything, but then like no follow up or like, I'm praying for you or I'm thinking of you, like something that can just like make you no longer like responsible to be that witness and just like kind of like back out of it and hope they pull themselves through. And then you'll like be there again when they get to the other side and be like, oh, like, sorry for what you went through. Like, so nice to see you again or whatever. And then it's like, but when you're that person in the darkness, it's, I've seen animations where people have done this before too, really beautifully and simply. I'm sure you already like are visualizing if you've ever seen anything similar, right? Like somebody's like down in the hole and then like all these people like peering over the hole and being like, just come on back up. Like there's a ladder, there's a rope, like just climb on out. Like we're all up here having a good time. Like, what are you waiting for? What are you doing down there? And they're just down there alone. And then all of a sudden you see somebody like throw a rope down, but instead of leaving, they climb down the rope themselves and they just kind of sit there with you. And, you know, I th- there's that scene in Inside Out where um, sadness goes and just sits down with Bing Bong as he's sad. And it like you don't have to say all the right things or do all the right things. Sometimes you just need to not like, you just need to be present so that that person doesn't feel alone. And sometimes I like the, the like helper in me, this is, I think maybe I'm speaking to myself (laughs) and anybody else who can relate. Cause I think the helper in me worries that I'm not saying the right thing or like, what if I say something that makes it worse? I'd rather just avoid the whole situation because like, I don't want to hurt this person even worse by like accidentally like triggering them worse or whatever. But like genuinely, I do believe that like people like more than anything just want to not be alone. And so like, I like what you're saying though, about the like possibility of like start. And we talked about it probably like a year ago. We were like, let's try to do a community. But like, it's just going to have to be, I don't know, something we can keep brainstorming. And again, like if we know anybody who knows anybody, like who knows how to do anything like what we're talking about, like it would be nice to know that there was this possibility of building something where there's people who like get you and are willing to sit with you because they know what it feels like to feel alone and they don't want you to have to feel like that. Exactly. And I think like when I sit here on the other side of it, the person that's theoretically in the hole, it's funny because yes, I get that there's that fear of like, what if I say something wrong? It's better if I just don't message them or don't like go over there or do anything. Right. But like, I cannot tell you like the reality of this, you know, past whatever couple weeks is I, I've been feeling like I've been like a burden to people, you know, and, and then I realized that I've placed myself in a position where people rely on me. Like we were releasing the podcast once a week and I was posting almost five to six times a week on four platforms. Like 
I was running my private practice. I was writing my book. And like, I look back and I go, while all of those things are great, like all the people that listen to me would rather have me alive than like another fucking post, you know? Like, so I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm actually like, hurting myself by not taking the steps I need to do to, to, to actually care for myself, to actually care about myself. And so of course those narratives, this is what I'm telling you, like these are real, very scary reverberations in someone going through depression's mind is it's not in everybody. I'm not speaking for everybody, but this is, Probably one of the most dangerous thoughts I have when I'm in a depressive episode is you are a burden and like you are your presence in people's lives that care about you. They're actually like enduring your presence. They're not thriving. They're not enjoying it. They're enduring it. And when I sit with that thought, it it gets so dark so fast. And I'll share with you guys, um, you know, like it probably was what, four or five days now where, you know, I was catching C up on some of the stuff that was going on. And, you know, she heard some of this language. I was trying to be honest, like with where I was at. And like, at one point she just like responded and she's like, well, I don't, I don't say this out loud to you, but you know, CA was like, you are not a burden to me. Like you are this presence in my life that brings me, you know, so much. And, you know, I mean, obviously I don't want to speak for you, CA, you can clarify that, but like, I don't know how to tell you guys that like, she was the only one that like said that to me. And it like helped that wound so much in that moment where like it genuinely felt like it was like a breath when I was suffocating, like where she was like, you are actually important to me, not just important to like to the world. You are important to me, like our relationship matters it is not a burden like it was it was actually like salve to a wound that was like so deep and so festering and and so painful and I guess that's what we're speaking about is that like when you can first of all it's a series of events that need to happen like I need to be vulnerable enough Right. I need, and and sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't, but like CA lives hundreds and hundreds of miles away from me. Right. And so it's easy for her to go about her life and not talk to me for a few days and just be like, she's chilling. I'm chilling. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to the park today. And like, I'm good. Meanwhile, like I'm, you know, not showering and like 
staying up till 5am and sleeping till 1pm and then now sleeping at 6pm and like, it's just like all of these like raw and real signs and like, truly, many people are like, well, she could check up on you. And I go, sure. But like, to be fair, our immediate conclusion when we're in friendships isn't like, is my friend in a depressive episode today? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so right, right. To be fair, I'm not going to put that exactly. I'm not going to put that back on CA. So like, to be fair, I think some of this is knowing that that's why I come back to community because knowing that there's someone that you could even message online. That's like, I'm going through this. I'm learning these skills. I'm unlearning my trauma. I see the pain. Like that can save people's lives. It literally can save people's lives. And I think that's like what you're saying, like the series of events, like the first thing we have to do is be willing to witness it ourselves, right? In ourselves to be willing to like, let that darkness out and say, whoa, these are the thoughts that I'm having. I'm feeling like a burden. I'm feeling unworthy. I'm feeling like the world would be better without me because I'm literally just bringing people down around me. And so like, let ourselves like witness that that is inside of us. And that's what's dragging us down. That's like step one is literally to just be like, what is dragging me down right now? Like what is making me feel literally so like heavy. And then to know that you have a place to like air that out in a safe way with another person. And this is what's tricky, right? Is because it's like you may try and then like, unfortunately, whoever is on the receiving end might make it more unsafe for you. And then you're like, okay, cool. And then shove it back down because I tried and it didn't work. Right. And so, but what happens when you do have a safe place to air that out is like when you, when we had that conversation and you shared a lot of that with me, I, what I find interesting is when you are witnessing somebody's darkness in a non-judgmental way, what happens is you, you get to kind of allow this person the freedom of experiencing the full range of human emotion to the, to the extreme edges of how far that emotion can push in the human experience and sit there. And like, that's what it was like. And I was, you know, like there were skills in place on my end where me watching my best friend go through something, obviously that's bringing up fear for me. Like I have trauma, I've lost people that I love. And I'm like, I don't think I could endure another loss. You know what I mean? Like I, there are those moments where like that comes in for me. And this is what's really important is that a lot of people, when you talk about suicidality or you talk about depression, that's what comes online for them first is they get triggered. Their fear gets triggered. And then that is what often like motivates some of the language that's dismissive and repressive in nature. It's not because they're mean spirited. It's because they're so scared of what you're saying for, because of how it could impact their lives and the lives of everyone that you are connected to that. They're like, 
I just need to like snap them out of this as fast as possible so that outcome doesn't happen. The problem with that is repression never works. It Let me say that slower because it's very similar to depression. But what I'm saying is repression never works. You can't just like force somebody or like shame somebody out of the thoughts that are like cycling through and these emotions that are like wanting to come out. And so setting aside that fear is a skill, like can be addressed later. Like we can go back to that, like in a personal way, but setting that aside in that moment to allow this person's emotion to just get out of their body because it's inside of them and they're wrestling with it. And it's literally like a, like a weighted vest around them as they're drowning in the water to like, let them show you this weighted vest and be like, this is literally dragging me down. And I don't know what to do about it. And for you to just witness it and go, I see the vest. You're right. I can, I, I literally see it and it is so heavy and it's absolutely drowning you. Like, can I try to just unsnap it? Like I can't maybe take it all the way off for you, but I see a buckle there that if I can, if you let me unsnap that, like you might be able to slowly start shedding this off and it might be a little easier to swim. And so I think that's kind of like the approach that I was taking is I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not a panacea. I don't, I don't know exactly all what to do or say, but I do know sitting here and pretending this vest isn't strapped around your chest weighing you down isn't the answer to say like oh just like swim harder or like I don't know like go to shallower water like why why are you why are you struggling so much right like those that's not the answer right the answer is like no I just need you to know that this is what's happening to me like this is I am drowning I don't know how to get this off right now like it just I came out of nowhere and all of a sudden it's just on me and I don't know how to get it off right and for me to go okay you're right like you're not wrong. That vest is 100% there. I witness it with you. I am also seeing that vest on you. And I might be able to assist in this way or the other way. But at the very least, I'm validating what you're going through and letting you know that anybody with that vest on would struggle to swim. Like there's not something you're not less skilled or less valuable in some way because you're struggling to swim with a weighted vest on. Right. And I think that's like one of the things that might have come out is like, are we less valuable when we openly share? Like in my case, I shared with hundreds of thousands of people, like the idea of that vulnerability. And yeah, some people, their takeaway is like, she's less valuable to me. And that's real. Like there are people that are going to see you as less valuable because you aren't shiny and you aren't showing up and emulating the pedestal person that you created for me in your brain. And I didn't live up to that. And So now you're relevant. And it's like, I don't know, that that's hard because I sit there and I go, if you have chronic depression, like you are valuable. If you have chronic anxiety, you are valuable. If you have massive trauma, you are valuable. Like 
this is one of those wounds that come out. Like if you ever, you guys ever like got through the religious drama series, like one of the things that hit me and CA the hardest when we were deconstructing was realizing that from our birth, because certain religious um, denominations have different perceptions on like the sacredness of infants. But in our religion, we were taught from birth that we don't have like inherent value. It's only like earned through an external source that says we have value, right? Like, because you are now part of this religion, you are a child of God. And we say that you are now valuable and you are now holy and you are now enough, right? And so there are some serious wounds. When I deconstruct, like, my inherent value and it comes it yes some of it comes from that and then some of it comes from like my current reality which is like people see me as some kind of like wise sage or something which I'm like that's hilarious um but like it's this idea of like I'm an educator I know what's going on and so on And then when I hear people being like, clearly you're unfit to be a therapist, like clearly you're unfit to do this. It's like they're associating like your value goes down when you aren't living up to the criteria I set in place for you. And that's the danger I think we have for the way we're relating to each other during these types of episodes is like your friend is as valuable when they're depressed as they are when they're not depressed. It's just difficult. It's well, I sit there and I go like, there's so many factors because there's like the religious factor. There's literally like the capitalism wound that says you're only as valuable as your production output. Like, as long as you're providing goods and services that are monetarily valuable to society, then you're worthy. Like there's that. Um, and I even left this comment on one of your videos, Jamie. It was like, like when you were t- responding to some of the comments, it was like, literally, we still have hordes of people out here believing that mental health is a moral failing or like, me- you know, struggling with mental health is some sort of moral failing that like, you're just not grateful enough or strong enough or this enough. Like there's some like moral flaw inside of your character flaw inside of you that's causing like that's causing anxiety and depression and whatever else. And it's like, man, that's that's a struggle. And then of course, then there's the part of me that's like, well, of course, like that's probably a result of like their internalized shame and like them never like being seen and witnessed and allowed to like process any pain that they've ever been through. And so of course they're going to view it as a moral failing because that's how they've put themselves into survival mode to like get through their episodes in their life is to turn it into like a shame issue or a morality issue or a production value value system or whatever. And so it's, it's a lot, but I think that's why there is so much value in you sharing that vulnerability in like such a public way. And that's not to say you owe it to people or that anybody out there that's like going through something like 
owes it to the world to like put it out there. It's just personal choices. And some people go through things privately and that's what they need to do to get through their mental health struggles. And there's nothing wrong with that either. We're not saying that you have to display no, as, as if, no. as if this is the only no. like mental health struggle no. Jamie's ever been through. <laughs> like, it's like, obviously there's like many times where we go through these ups and downs and some of it gets shared and some of it doesn't. But like, I do think you're actually like bringing a lot of value through this particular experience, Jamie, in like allowing people to confront that reality inside of themselves of, am I pedestaling somebody? Am I only saying that they're valuable as long as, you know, they're not having any problems going on in their life? Um, Am I uncomfortable witnessing somebody else's darkness because it makes me realize that I also have unwitnessed darkness that I have never let see the light of day? I think that's a huge possibility for a lot of people. And watching somebody's authenticity can be very scary for people because it does draw their attention to their own unwitnessed authenticity. And not to break this about me again, but I also left this other comment on another one of your videos. Um, You had another video where somebody was like, oh, you're just doing this for attention or whatever. And I'm like, yo, people say that no matter if what you're showing is like authentic realness and struggle But if you show authentic, like joy and like, like you're just like so happy about something that happened, you're really like proud of your book or whatever it is, then people are also like, you're just doing this for attention. And it's like, oh my God, like on social media, you can't win. Apparently you're not allowed to authentically be sad and you're not allowed to authentically be joyful according to some people. Right. But I really do think that it comes down to in both cases, they're just the two opposite sides of the coin, but in both cases, it's people who haven't allowed themselves to connect to that authentic emotion ever in their lives. And then they see somebody doing it publicly and they're like, how dare she? Right. I think that's, I mean, that's, that's probably what I've seen maybe the social experiment that is social media is when you hear like the collective consciousness in certain areas basically say, Oh, I'm going to villainize you regardless. I'm going to villainize you. If you show up in your power, if you're wearing a really cute outfit and you share your outfit, I'm going to villainize you. And I'm going to make you out to be like, some self-aggrandizing, like glamour seeking queen, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hate you regardless. And if you show that you're not good enough to me and you're not living up to whatever pedestal I put you on. And I think you're some kind of therapist that's like an imposter. I'm like, then just let, let them. It's like, just that let that, have you heard this like phrase going on in the consciousness is like the let them, um, kind of like affirmation or mantra. It's like, I'm I'm gonna let you think that. (laughs) I'm gonna let you think that like, I'm doing that. Like, I'm just gonna let you, like, that's fine. Like if that's your conclusion about me tomorrow, if I post a get ready with me and I have the audacity to wear makeup, they're going, you're not depressed. (laughs) Right? It's like, I sit there and I go, it doesn't fucking matter. It's just, 
I'm going to let you walk away with that narrative. Like, it's weird because I, I have these like uh, things that tell me like memories. And like two days ago, there was like a year memory of that came across my feed. And it was like a year ago on this day. And it was that mantra that I shared a while ago where it was like, there is power in being misunderstood. That's that, That's what I think when you're sharing, it's not even oppression, folks. Like if you're sharing, like this is what it feels like to live you guys know I'm in OCD repression or repression. I'm in OCD res- remission. Sorry. Um, I'm in a remissive state. It comes out sometimes. But when you think about what would it be like to watch someone suffering in their ADHD? What would it be like to witness someone's real life experience in OCD? Like, what does it look like to witness their actual because everyone used like they they like to use humor, which I understand is a psychological construct to help you process. I'm not even against using humor as a tool to educate, but what we cannot do is parody it. Like literally make it out to be some kind of like spoof or like whatever the word what's the word for this? Um like a farce maybe. Like yes. it's a yes. it's a mm-hmm. mockery of mm-hmm. uh the the actual experience because me and CA have had some real conversations recently about like the actual pain and suffering that we endure from our ADHD and I sit there and I go that's what CA is talking about if I watch someone walk me through a day in the life of when they woke up and what their brain went through my, I have a choice. I can either be like, holy shit, they are right. This is very, very painful. And I don't allow myself to see how much it does actually hurt. Or I go, right, the opposite, the trigger, the activation, like, oh my God, look at this person. Like, what What am I supposed to feel bad for you that you can't like get, like, you know, get it together to pack your kid's car to get them to school? Like you're sitting there complaining that you got immobilized in the grocery store parking lot? Like get the fuck out of your car and go buy some eggs. Like, do you understand like how easy it is for me to flip that narrative of like, you sharing your pain is so fucking stupid, right? And I go- there's a opposite community out there that goes, oh my God, I told you guys this story. My list, the listeners know this story about the OCD. If you've been like over 50 episodes in, you know this story. I'll repeat myself, okay? I did not ever untangle how catastrophic my OCD was until it was witnessed and in, and what I mean witness, I don't mean, I see that you're kind of getting stuck on this. No, that's not what it was. It was my therapist sitting in front of me. I viv- This is a vivid memory. If you guys know me, I have terrible memory. So the fact that I have a vivid memory is something to be said. Vivid memory of her sitting across from me, looking at me and going, what you just walked me through is, not sounds like present language, is pure suffering. I hear pure suffering. 
And it wasn't until that moment that I was able to unlock like, holy shit, it is. This is painful to hold. It was like the veil dropped and I realized what was in my hand. And I was like, holy shit, this is so painful. And yeah, you're holding burning CA, coals the whole time. And- what CA has been saying this whole episode is like, literally one of the first steps is the internal narrative of saying what you're going through is reasonable enough to hold and, and bear witness to and watch within yourself. And that's what I think is the power of bringing this to a greater population is that if I saw someone showing and enlightening their like followers about, hey, this is my lived reality of everyday life with OCD. Sometimes it's a therapist that says this is suffering. And sometimes it's someone shining a light on their everyday experience and you waking up and being going, wait, 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 wait. Almost every factor that she walked me through. I endure, I experience. It's this like moment of like, holy crap. And sometimes I get it. Some people are like, oh, you're being irresponsible. Like you don't know who's watching your channel. Like they they look up to you. You're being irresponsible. People want you to be a strong person and people need you to be a strong person because they could be looking at you and being like, this is the proof. I might as well end everything. And I go, dude, if we stayed in that mentality, social media turns into shiny, happy people, like whatever that talking, like sit pretty, play nice. Don't ever show up in a real way because if you do, someone might misunderstand you. And I go, I don't know what to say other than know there's power in being misunderstood. Know there's power in like, realizing that it's worth sharing with someone the reality of your suffering because there are people that need to hear that that said something about what you just shared unlocked something inside of me and just like I guess moving forward also just knowing that there is this capacity to hold a both and narrative within ourselves and in regards to other people around us, whether that's on social media or people in our lives, to be able to witness the full spectrum of human reality within ourselves and together as a community and say, people can be struggling and people can be still wearing makeup, right? <laughs> like to use that example. Um, and, and people can be on a healing journey and still have very dark days where they fall into a valley. Um, people can make it really far into their healing journey and still have something that really just derails and, and yanks them real hard for, uh, for a while, you know, and that doesn't devalue them as a human. Certainly not. And it also doesn't devalue all the work that they've already done up to that point whether you're like talking about yourself and so like this is stuff that I work on with my own like inner self-talk because I was mercilessly bullied from almost everybody in my life for most of my childhood upbringing so my inner voice moving into adulthood was extremely critical and negative and shaming and I've spent the last 
10 to 15 years working to like recalibrate that inner voice. And it's really difficult on the dark days to not give in to that voice that says, see, (laughs) told you, you are worthless. You are a burden. You're too much. You're too difficult. You're too sensitive. You're too this, that, and the other thing. And all of that stuff can really cycle back around. And so to what I've been working on, like throughout my entire healing journey is to differentiate myself from that voice and go, Oh, there's that voice again. And to know that I am allowed to have a bad day or days or weeks. And I still love myself and people still love me. And I, I'm still a valuable human person, even though I'm having a dark episode. And I think that is really worth like sitting with and we can extend that kindness to ourselves and we can extend that kindness to other people in our lives that when somebody else you're witnessing them going through something to try very hard to work on that narrative inside yourself that might be tempting you to say they'll be valuable again when they get through this, but rather to say, wow, this person is so valuable and even their darkness matters because that is also a valid part of the human experience and they are allowed to be human and all parts of the human experience of the variety of different emotions that we have are, are valuable for us to witness together as a human community. Right. And I think what I want to leave you all with and, you know, we we try so hard to be grounded in this podcast, to not give you guys things that feel too aloof or too aloft, like lofty, like feet on the ground, like real things that can speak to you. And I I think what I want to leave you with the person sitting wherever you are, listening to this podcast is that whatever your darkness is today, whether that's depression or an anxiety episode or a toxic relationship, whatever that is that you're holding, it's, I just, I, I think I just want to speak like directly to you guys in that moment, in this moment right now, which is like, You're listening to this podcast. This might be the first time you listened. This might be 50 plus. You are committing yourself to growth. You are expanding. You are exploring. You are evolving you are opening yourself up to real tangible change and it's not pretty some days and the trauma that you might hold might speak really loud that day and it might say that you don't have any skills and it might say this is all for nothing 
But like CA just said, if we can leave you with anything, is to know that that voice that's speaking very loudly, we've talked about the visual of passing the mic, and it might speak really loudly today. And from someone who's been going through it, it's been screaming <laughs> like almost hauntingly so in my life in my most recent days. And the the thing that helps break through the fog is knowing that within me lies someone who is becoming. I don't have to end my story, right? Like I don't have to like submit to that bullying voice that was formed for decades. I can let that other voice that was forming and is forming and is becoming start stepping into the forefront, into the amplified resonance. And when I let that voice take priority, it it can be like a fog breaker. It can be one of those things that's like, oh my God, yes, you are valuable. And even if it's just one person, that's what I'm saying. Like leaving you guys with, if, it, if me and CA are just two voices in the entire world, let us be one of those voices that chime in with that deep voice within you that says, you have value. You are valuable. You are worthy you are becoming right and that right there that's what I mean by like even if I can never stand across from you the listener that's right here in the room with me I want you to know that type of community the community right here in this energy can be enough Enough to get us to the next safe relationship. Enough to get us to the next skill. Enough to get us through this episode, right? So like, that's where I'm going to leave you guys today. And I do want to give you guys some hope that like, these past day, day and a half, like I am feeling like it's some of the fog is breaking. So, you know, not that I want you guys to be worrying about me, but like, I can feel it, the energy shift a little bit. And there, it it maybe sounds like a cliche, but like the hope that you can find, yes, some of it is within the collective energy, but I also want to like share with you, like the hope can be possibly like a hidden voice within you that says like we don't want to go through this pain and if you can like listen to me listen to that value listen to that that self that's being nourished and cultivated through everything you're doing through all the self-work if you go to therapy if you listen to this podcast if you explore yourself that self 
is that that weird self-generated hope. So it's a both and even in that moment, it is, yes, I got this breath of fresh air from CA, right? I did. That's my community. I have other people in my community, but like that's an example of my community. And I think taking a step back and like actually breathing and being serious about the voices that are resonating in my head, I can pass the mic. And that energy that comes from shifting to that bully voice, that voice that says you're too much, that voice that says you're not worthy and nothing matters and everything's futile. It's that like cultivating of that like part of yourself that says like what we are doing matters. It matters so much because you all deserve a life that's not endured. Like that's really what is so important for me to tell you guys. Like you don't deserve a life that you endure. You deserve a life that you're attempting to cultivate right now in this moment. And that's what I want to leave you with. Thank you guys so much for listening and for, I guess, even being part of this like witnessing journey of Yes, this episode was sort of specifically about what Jamie's been posting about on her social media, but you could be listening to this three years from now by the time you find this podcast. And so I think there's really, it's a universally across time and space sort of a message about the importance of witnessing our humanity and loving ourselves through it and loving one another through it. So thank you. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at The Unlearned Podcast or our individual Instagrams at Recollected Self and CAs is at Embracing Divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our Coffee Fiend Club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called Unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work